and you're recording the whole call, right? So yep. we don't even need to. We don't even need to clap. What? We don't even need to clap. Oh no! I guess don't. I could say the words the way they're pronounced if I want people to understand what I'm trying to say to them. I was just like, uh, Clark. "It's a new strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off for." <laughs> Bold strategy, Cotton. Cotton. I did finish that movie, and it is full of very dated, very dated humor. Some um, uh, grotesqueries, it's, yes. It's still pretty funny. Yeah. Uh, you know what? I will say, as far as um, the mid-2000s are concerned, the Christina Taylor character, but her the revelation that she is indeed bisexual, is, by all accounts, as far as mainstream movies go, an early and important piece of bisexual representation. <laughs> it is. <laughs> like, as low... Like, Boy, and I and I I think we need much more like gay and lesbian and and ace representation on all forms of media. But I simply must say, when it comes to bisexuals, it's slim fucking pickings, dog. <laughs> yeah, one hundred percent. And when bisexuals show up, often they are portrayed as sluts no matter what like gender they are they are always like just because you like both men and women it means you are constantly sleeping with both and i'm not saying bisexual sluts do not exist i am a proud supporter of bisexual sluts the word over but it's not (laughs) all some of us are fucking dorks you know what i mean like some of us are uncool and uh and we're not we're not sleeping around and i think that we need loser bisexual representation yeah. So I, that's that's all I, I, that I need you to put that on a t-shirt. Loser bisexual representation. I need loser bisexual representation. I need loser bisexual representation. Which is L- going to get me some LBR. bad bisexual lawyers, I have to imagine. Right? Um, if I ask for bisexual representation, I'm going to get... Speaking of bisexual lawyers, simply must be said, crazy ex-girlfriend. Uh, uh, that, that character is pretty landmark for being like, he's kind of a middle-aged man. He's monogamous. And he's by, and you gotta give it up. You Wait, gotta. What give movie it up. is this? Uh, it's a it's a television show called Crazy Ex Girlfriend. Um, it's a it's a musical comedy. Great show, Incredible. excellent show. Really tackles like mental health issues and and these like harmful stereotypes in media directly, while also having at least two very catchy songs per episode. And nice. um, the the character. Uh, I believe his name is Dale. It's been a minute. Um, but he is like a, a middle-aged lawyer. He has a kid with his ex-wife. Daryl. And he realizes that he is bi. And in the style of Huey Lewis and the News, he uh, sings a song called Getting By uh, about <laughs> like, explaining <laughs> bisexuality to his coworkers. Incredible. It's a delight. Yeah, it's it's truly excellent. You know, it's 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 rare that an episode of this show goes by where I don't learn about something else I've not watched, read, or listened to that I now need to do one of those things to. Absolutely, and only four seasons. It's a um, it's a tremendous bummer, is what I'm trying to say. Absolutely, yeah. It's it's just <laughs> every episode's like remember that backlog. It's it's it gets deeper. The watch pile, the read pile, the listen pile just gets deeper and deeper and deeper every time we do one of these shows. And I yes. think that happens to me as well. Uh, it doesn't seem to be happening to the same extent it does to you. Although I learned a lot of stuff about like, I like video games. I don't know shit about video games compared to you. Uh, so I definitely learned a lot in that regard. Sure. We all offer something unique to each other and it's 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 what's best for a group honestly the three of us two in this episode uh have have interesting different perspectives that we bring to the show it's part of our dynamic (laughs) weird weird that it's fine uh and this is of course advanced community studies podcast where we watch the american television show community one or two episodes at a time i hope you enjoyed (laughs) our little jaunt into podmetheus and pod Castra, uh, we'll never do it again. Uh, I I'll... do those specific to again. We will yeah, most yeah, yeah. certainly do the that that mechanic again. <laughs> yeah. uh, this is what happens when Jace leaves for a week. When Jace uh, is enjoying a nice little uh, quarantine staycation, respect. I hope they have a great time. But this is what happens when they leave us unattended. <laughs> one, <laughs> one could even say that they're doing this on purpose and know that we are. 
like coming to a point where we're going to have to do this. So they, they take themselves out of the equation. So we when, can- <laughs> when they were on the fence, whether or not they'd be able to show up tonight, I did warn them that this was going to happen. And right after that, they were like, Oh, actually, you know, <laughs> it's not working. Bummer. <laughs> oh, the internet. Mm, it's out. Uh, and I honestly can't say I blame them. I hope it was interesting to listen to, uh, but I am one of your hosts. TV's Kevin Lanigan and class dismissed. Class dismissed. <laughs> I am the daddy host, the one who has all the opinions. Uh, that's a weird thing to say. <laughs> well, we all have uh, too many opinions. We all have there too many opinions. Where I dared say I don't have a lot of opinions, <laughs> and I've never, I've never lied harder in my entire life. <laughs> you said that, and I was like, mm-hmm, yeah, uh, sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but this episode, you can call me Trevor saying goodbody or David. David. <laughs> Uh, it's interesting uh, that we both opted for quotes from competitive wine tasting. It didn't dare attempt a, a Cougar Town monologue. <laughs> I watched that episode for like the third time in the last week because I keep like, I have a kid, if you guys don't know, hence my name, the Daddy Host. And so I have the habit of starting things that I can't finish. I just try. Oh, sure. And sometimes that means I can't finish a movie. Other times that means I can't finish a 22-minute episode of a show I love. But I, fin- I finished it for the second or third time to this week and actually got enough from it, right? Um, right. And was still like, fuck, I can't come up with a name from this episode. There's right. not, it's I like, can't do it. Chet, Chet had lived and I took one step and I remembered my first kiss to Cougar Town High. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so that, that didn't lend itself as well uh, to, the, to the potent quotables. Um, I have no bits of business. And we just talked about two, <laughs> two old ass sci-fi movies. Uh, do you want to just dive right in <laughs> this week? Yeah, fuck it. Let's go. All right, let's fuck it. Let's let's go right in. Uh, let's start. First episode on the docket. Season two, episode 19, Critical Film Studies, directed by Richard Iode, written by Sona Panos. Uh, in this episode, Abed invites Jeff to a fancy dinner, uh, during which he mimics the film My Dinner with Andre. Meanwhile, there is a Pulp Fiction-themed birthday party waiting for him. I'm going to just lay this out there. And I think this is something I've said uh, about other episodes previously, but this time I really mean it. This is the (laughs) weirdest fucking piece of TV to ever air on NBC. Yo, this episode is so bananas. Like endlessly. It keeps doing it. Like there's moments in this episode that I laugh at out of their sheer, just absurdity. I just find myself like, like Abed seriously saying, I poop my pants. And like nobody reacting, like every single time, I'm like, "Oh my god, this episode's so fucking weird." And that was it. Courtney had nailed it. Um, <laughs> Jeff jamming his phone into his cup of water, and Abed being like, "Oh god, <laughs> this is too much. Uh, this is not what I meant." Like it's. I may. I might have done some damage here. <laughs> I was like the second or third time Abed's realized one of his things hasn't gone perfectly. Um. That he's making, maybe taking some of his bullshit too far. Yeah, exactly. It is very interesting that this episode is directed by Richard Iode. Um, He of the uh, IT crowd, both British and American version. Wait, like the guy that acts on the IT? Yeah, okay. Yeah, Moss uh, from the IT crowd. Great guy. Uh, The IT crowd is not one of my favorite shows, but I think he's pretty undeniable. It, he, of course, uh, was was planning on reprising his role on the American reboot of the IT crowd, which starred. Joel McHale. Oh, I haven't watched either IT crowds. Oh, OK. That's right. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> you guess, I guess you're not familiar <laughs> no. with the one episode only uh, uh, American adaptation of the IT crowd. But yes, Joel McHale uh, was playing the Chris O'Dowd part. Uh, and Richard Iota. See, was I knew Chris O'Dowd was in role. it. I didn't know that wasn't the American version. I mean, I get it because Chris O'Dowd's not American. I should have known. Neither that. is Richard Iota. <laughs> but you know, whatever. Not a good metric because he's in both. Um, yeah, that's true. Uh, nor is a uh, uh, future Community guest star Matt Barry, uh, who is who is very big on the IT crowd. This does is Matt Barry play. He's the grifting teacher. He yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I'm the grifter. Uh, yeah, I can't wait uh, until we get like fucking four seasons from now and I get to do my fucking Matt Berry impression for an entire episode. It's but perfect. Yeah, it's going to be excellent. So this is not 
one of my all-time favorite episodes or anything like that. But a, a round of applause is in order for the sheer audacity of trying to pull this episode off. And particularly uh, uh, a round of applause to fucking Danny Pudi, who delivers pages and pages of monologue in this episode. It's very good. It's very good. And I don't it's, know, does does Danny Pudi so, have, uh, did he do a lot of theater stuff? I mean, every, almost every actor ends up having some of that, unless you're like. I think he's definitely done some. Most actors go to like theater school yeah, and then like, you're like translate that into, into other uh, programs. Yeah. Uh, he originated Beetlejuice the musical on Broadway. He was the Alec Baldwin part uh, in the Beetlejuice the musical adaptation. But he he did that part in previews. He did not carry it over into uh, the actual like two years of that show going on uh, because the part was very small, not particularly sure. meaty. So he moved on to to other pastures. Sure, that makes sense. If yeah. if you're going to be away from your child for eight performances a week, it better be a good part. And Danny Booty is at a point where you can be like, ah, I'm going to go do Mythic nah. Quest on that Apple TV Plus. Actually, <laughs> sure. I'm going to go be a Ducktail. Actually, I think. Yeah, I'm going to uh, go. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to go do something else. Weird. Um, I didn't know he was in the second Hoodwinked movie, which. Is he really? He's That's little. He's little boy. Community. He's little boy blue in Hood in Hoodwink two. In, is, oh, Hoodwink two. Yeah, the second one. The second oh, one. Oh boy! Uh, if you thought the animation in Hoodwinked one was rough, I cannot imagine the straight to DVD uh, Hoodwinked two. I think that was the theaters, dude. Why am I yawning? Did I'm it? so sorry. I think, that went to, I think that went to theaters. Okay, let's, I'm almost right. positive that went to theaters. It's got a all four point right. seven out of ten. Aggregated on, uh, on IMDb. IMDb. Yeah. Excellent. Uh, so let's go to the box office mojo for <laughs> 2. Uh, color me fucking curious. Oh, homie, this has a release date on it. Hoodwinked Evil 2, Hood versus Evil in 3D, April 29th, 2011. This went to the theater. Glenn, uh, yes. Glenn Close, um, Cheech and Chong. Opened to a scintillating $4 million uh, and brought in a total domestic $10 million. Glenn so, Close, uh, Cheech, Cheech and Chong, Bill Hader, Hayden Panettiere, Amy Poehler, and Martin Short all have credits on the main poster. Hoodwink 2. Now, of course, 2 is spelled T-O-O exclamation yes. point. Hoodwinked uh, also. <laughs> Hood versus evil. Yes, hoodwinked also. That doesn't even make sense in the context of your title. No. It's fine. Um, David Ogden Steers, John Cusack, sure. Patrick Warburton. <laughs> and we can't but, seem to the, escape the Andy Dick. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Well, Andy Dick is the villain of the first Hoodwinked. Yeah. Um, and uh, 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 I think it's Jim Belushi and Anne Hathaway in Hoodwinked 1. And I imagine they did not reprise their roles. Uh yeah, that would make a lot of sense, huh? <laughs> yeah, uh, I think Anne Hathaway was delivered the script for Hoodwink Two, and she slid a piece of paper over uh, that said, "I want this much money." And they said, oh, uh, "Let's Have see, a Panettiere is cheap, I think. So let's <laughs> let's get us uh, the cheerleader from Heroes, shall what we?" What tells you that six months? Sorry, not even. Why did I say six months? What tells you that six years after the first movie, people are hungry for that sequel? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because the first Hoodwinked brought in like 50 mil and 50 mil in like 2007 or six is not a tremendous amount for like a family animated movie, you know, in a post Shrek world um, <laughs> sure. or in a in a world where like, you know, Pixar's ripping through it. That's Pixar prime time. Finding Nemo, Monsters, Inc., The Incredibles, you know, they're they're fucking tearing shit up over there. Uh, and Hoodwink 2 said, what about me? And uh, the audience said, what about you? I don't even know. <laughs> I don't even know who produced like what what animation studio, studio is responsible yeah. for Hoodwink 2. Um, I, I couldn't tell you. But dare we <laughs> discuss the episode? Sorry, back to it. I don't I don't want to be that guy. No, you're fine. I somehow got we somehow got from just talking about community and Danny Pudi to having to talk about the fact that Hoodwinked got a sequel, which like 
you listen to us. You know us. You love us. This is what always happens. This, yeah, this you, is part of the We apologize the for it when it happens, but y'all are like, it happens every time. We're ready. That's why we're here. If that's um, not why you're here, sorry. This is what we do. Moving on. Yeah, sorry. Uh, this must be your first time. <laughs> Welcome. Um, or so bye. this episode has um, t- these two episodes. I normally don't watch episodes like over and over again in the preparation for these episodes. I watched both of these like two or three times because yeah. I was like, there's so much to pick apart here. And I honestly have nothing to say about like the Pulp Fiction party subplot. It's fine. It's like fine. Troy getting mad at Chang is fine. Yeah. Um, I I do appreciate everyone in their little Pulp Fiction gear. Uh, my my favorites are Shirley as uh, <laughs> Samuel L. Jackson, um, yeah. which um, which is especially funny. Dean, oh, go ahead. Uh, I said to quote the Dean, I hope this doesn't awaken anything in me. Um, <laughs> and uh, and uh, huge shout outs to Britta as uh, as uh, Mia Wallace, uh, which is a, it's a good get up. It's a good. Look. Yeah, it's especially funny when you see Shirley in uh, Samuel L. Jackson's costume, when you realize that or when you hear her say that she has seen it. And it's a wonderful I saw it on an airplane. It's a 30-minute 30 30 minute film about friends that love milkshakes, the Bible, and talking about movies or whatever. It's, it's a, very good because you're like, oh, she doesn't understand this role at all. But it's very good. It's, very good. Um, it's an excellent Shirley bit. It's very good. Uh, and I really like Britta's boss uh, when she's like, I'll give you all the tips for my next shift. And he's like, oh, all, all? All the tips that the customers give to you, you? <laughs> can I get that in installments so I don't get slammed on my? T- <laughs> uh, it's uh, it's very good. It's an excellent bit. Uh, but now on to uh, Jeff and Abed main plot because yes. we're done with the pulp picture plot. I have nothing further to say. But the Jeff and Abed main plot is fascinating. It's had do you had have you or had you seen my dinner with Andre prior to neither? This actually, episode? I've seen big chunks because of this episode. Um, For but sure, I've, I have not actually sat down to watch the movie. Properly. I, uh, as a high schooler, had certainly not seen my dinner with Andre prior <laughs> to watching this episode. Sure, one would uh, hope not. But but a few years into college, the Criterion uh, Collection used to have a deal with Hulu. And sometimes they would have like a Hulu free weekend where they'd release a bunch of Criterion movies on Hulu for the weekend. And you could watch them for free with your Hulu subscription. And I had a desk shift at school and I was like, oh, my dinner with Andre. I can finally understand this episode of Community. <laughs> and my dinner with Andre is literally a movie of just two guys talking at dinner for the entire feature length of a movie. That sounds amazing. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. The Jeff part is Wallace Shawn, uh, he of The Princess Bride and uh, the Toy Story films. And um, it's Andre <laughs> something is opposite him. The actor's name is Andre, as is the character. They're sort of ostensibly playing themselves. But Andre is this guy who shows up in a very similar sweater to what Abed is wearing. And he, they talk back and forth. It's almost all the Andre guy. Wallace Shawn is really just like responding and asking questions until like the third act when he like returns and is like, you're full of shit. Um, and <laughs> the Andre guy is telling these stories about like joining a cult and like visiting these, these far flung tribes uh, uh, of the wilderness and like, Oh, it was an awakening experience for him. And I, I can never say if I like it, I guess I'm glad that I've seen it. You know sure, what I mean? Sure. But like, if I'm, sure. if it's a, if it's a fucking Friday night, I'm not going to pop on my dinner with Andre. <laughs> Yeah, it doesn't sound like a movie that I would have like on my short list of things to watch if I can't think of anything else. For sure. Uh it's a it's a decent enough. I like some weird or boring movies, but that one is a, is a little tough. I I simply will admit. Taking this from the perspective of the character of Abed, right? And yeah. he feels like his friend Jeff, who last week he specifically said he was not hanging out with, feels as if Jeff kind of left him behind as season two has moved into really like ensemble based storytelling. Like we're all doing a bottle episode. We're all going to a bar. Uh, uh, He has fewer and fewer storylines with Jeff as well as like 
the Troy and Abed friendship has truly taken over at this point. It is such is so endemic to almost every episode of the show that there's little to no room to have Jeff involved because Jeff can't be involved in the pillow and blanket fort subplot. He needs to be in the conspiracy theory subplot, right? Because Troy and Abed are the B plot of almost every episode this season that has a B plot. You know what I mean? Right. Right. And so he looks at his friend, the one guy who gets all of his pop culture references. See, he sees Jeff not only because of his age, but because of his like, I don't know, predilection towards uh, uh, his worldliness. Right. And says, OK, this guy, uh, an educated American, as Jeff would describe himself to Duncan and construes that the way to relate to his friend is through this bizarre 80s art house movie that made like no money in middle America where Jeff lives. Like the only people that saw my dinner with Andre live in New York or Los Angeles. And sure. that is it. <laughs> that sure. is the end yeah. of the list. Uh, or Cannes in France where a film festival is being held. Right. If you saw this movie in Colorado, you didn't because you were actually in Sundance, Utah. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think that there's like equally weird that Abed picks this and also Abed not actually picking this movie as much as he's finding a movie with a person who's just normal that still has uh, something about them going on. Right. Like, yeah, he, he gets he picks a movie to play out with with. I don't know why I said out like I was from Minnesota. Play oh oh play oot play oot. Hey. Um, hey, you go to see my dinner with Andre there. <laughs> You're gonna. Well, fuck, bud. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. shit. <laughs> oh shit! Fuck, bud. Yeah, it's yeah. Abed's finding a character that is not a, a arguably not actually a character, just a dude. The the most fascinating aspect of this episode to me is less in the actual episode, because it really is Jeff and Abed having a talk and this like Pulp Fiction subplot, basically so that we can just have something to cut back and forth to, right? The, the fascinating aspect of this episode to me is really examining it from Abed's motivational point of view. Because Abed, I guarantee you, does not like My Dinner with Andre, right? He rented it because he'd heard it was an arty film that perhaps sure. Jeff had seen or would enjoy. We later find out that Jeff has neither seen nor heard of My Dinner with Andre. Right, right. But he engages in this because he thinks it's something that his somewhat cultured friend, his most cultured friend, would appreciate and enjoy. Abed likes movies and TV that are formulaic that have clear acts the movies he enjoys are all either like b-movie trash or classic formulaic 80s fare and the tv he enjoys is generally like rote sitcoms you know he likes and appreciates the sitcom structure and finds it comforting so this is completely outside of his wheelhouse that he would use this to try and impress his friend because of this barrier he always has with people in the outside world, he's trying to use this movie to get over it, to get to a friend he really wants to impress, even though he doesn't have to, right? Like Jeff already loves and respects Abed. That hasn't been in doubt since he jumped in front of a school, school bully to defend him a season and a half ago, right? Right. Re and then he has to like make up this story about, Cougar Town. We we find out in a meta sense that Abed did stop by Cougar Town, but he did not walk through a scene. He certainly did not poop his pants. <laughs> Shouldn't be he's important. not even <laughs> he's not even in a scene with Courtney Cox. It's Busy Phillips and 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 Dan Stevens. So right. he has to take his real life experience, and he feels like he has to blow it up and make it something epic to impress Jeff. Right. And that's very, very interesting to me. Yeah, and super sad. <laughs> really sad. Really this sad. This is a sad episode for both uh, him and, and Jeff. And Joel McHale is also really, really good in this episode, right? Yeah, very, very. I mean, yeah, and he's right on top of it. The, like, monologues he gives, the fascinating aspects we get of Jeff that he calls into phone sex lines and pretends to be overweight 
because he doesn't think anyone can love him if he's not a perfect specimen. And I don't have mm. Joel McHale's body. I also feel like that sometimes, right? Yeah. Yeah. That if I like lost what little shape I'm in, that I would suddenly become the blob from the brotherhood of evil mutants and and no one would want to love me. Right. (laughs) Right. This is, this is a fascinating episode for these two characters. Yeah. Yeah. Even though it's very simple. I like the resolution that they have kind of a Pulp Fiction, my dinner with Andre mashup party as a group that they don't like need to do anything that that special the the bond of the group is enough at this point we've had better parties and we've had worse ones life will go on and the study group will stay together for at least two more seasons i like i like when abed and jeff finally have their conversation at the greasy spoon or whatever the what is the diner called the greasy fork i think (laughs) yeah there you go because all of those types of diners are called greasy spoons. Exactly. And this one has the slight variance of being called the greasy fork. The 50s nostalgia diner. After the news, people just want to experience a pre-racial, pre-racial America. America. Yeah. <laughs> uh, which is a fucking excellent Dan Harmon bit. It just reeks of Dan. <laughs> yeah. I lo- but I love when, when Jeff and Abed are there. And they're like finally hashing out the end of their little spat. And you have Abed being honest about like, we used to hang out more and like, yeah, it's, it's interesting. And I don't want to say human because like, I'm not trying to say Abed's a robot, but it is no, a I've, very I've, like, I've felt Abed. I've felt Abed in that moment Yeah, where it's yeah. like, what happened to me and this friend to that? Like, we just don't, I mean, he sees Jeff all the time, but like, they don't hang out, hang out in yeah. the way that they used to. Right. And that's it's a very sad, human I mean, that, and very like relatable pain to anybody that's been through high school and college. That's right. And especially like, oh boy, Abed, after you graduate, like good luck hanging out with fucking anybody. Like sure. <laughs> if you don't have like a project or say a podcast to do, uh, you know, the chances that you and an adult friend are going to keep hanging out are are scant. You know, yeah. they're they're few and far between if you don't have these common things. I only like recently had like a good non-project base uh hangout schedule with like a friend like we both had amc movie pass and we just go see a movie a couple times a month almost every week at some points and then uh coronavirus happened so r.i.p to <laughs> and then 2020 was like session. fuck your friends yeah then i started a podcast again fuck your friends yeah fuck your friends yeah you're making them do a podcast with you fuck your friends <laughs> What an asshole. (laughs) Right. But I felt Abed in that moment. And uh, I really love Jeff's, you know, Abed is trying to like not do the fakery of, of these things, but I really feel Jeff in the moment where he's like, do you know how fake it is to point out how fake everything is? Like so many people, so many fake people are having this exact same conversation right now. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. It's very good. It's a good bit. Yeah. And, um, you mentioned it earlier. It's not an episode you come back to frequently, but like, it's not an episode I skip either. It's one Absolutely. of those like weird state episodes. It's like, I don't love it, but if it's on, I'm going to watch it because it does have an interesting conversation to have mm-hmm. t- tucked into it. Yeah. And it's and it's absolutely wild. And uh, when Neil Goldman was on the show, um, he was talking about how when they were like scripting it or when they were making it, Dan Harmon was like, does this work at all? Like, is this anything? <laughs> is this any, does this work? Does this work? And like, uh, Neil Goldman was the one who was like, yeah, no, it works. It's okay. Like it's, it's all right. And I do think it, it works. Yeah. It comes together. It's interesting. I don't like it as much as fucking zombies, but. Which we found out is one of the most difficult episodes they ever recorded. They ever or did. Ever wrote. They ever wrote. Yeah. They recorded it video and audio. Um, but, um, <laughs> It's a, it's a fascinating piece of work and it's one I'm going to keep circling back around to. Yeah. This is a community episode that I don't think I've unraveled fully. Right. Do you ever get sure. that, you know, yeah. the piece of media? I still take things from <laughs> The Office as well and Parks and Rec. I still take things from The Social Network despite having seen that movie dozens of times. And you'll see it dozens more. Yeah, and I'm sure I'll find a little thing that I didn't notice every other or every third viewing for the rest of my life because like that's what good good creative work does it it, it's not just a 
here's a laundry list of things. It's a tableau that's got levels to it, and you can look into those different things. If uh, Sometimes it's depending on, like, the mood you're in, right? Like, if you're in, like, a Absolute mood where you have, mood like, uh, you feel differently or, like, your focus is impacted differently, like, you'll catch things that you didn't catch before. Um, I've watched episodes sad and been like, Yo, this shit's poignant, and not ever thought that before that moment. Absolutely. Specifically this episode, though, where we're in quarantine, and we're trying to deal with being able to be social. Sorry, we're trying to deal with being social mm-hmm. um, in a way that's non, non-threatening to our own health and non-threatening to our friends' healths, and like also just doable, and feels still amicable and not like some kind of... like exchange of goods you know because sometimes interaction feels like that where you're just like hi mom yes i'm fine cool Hello, how mother. are you yeah and like the, the phone child call ends is and alive and i am employed <laughs> exactly the end of that phone call you don't feel any fulfillment you're just like yeah i did a very transactional thing um so like those things all being super relevant right now and then watching an episode about a, a kid who doesn't know how to communicate one and who hates how little he sees of a friend he used to see more of. Yeah, exactly. This episode's not the best episode, but this time I watched it, I was like, damn, I get it. I get this episode. It's characters looking for meaning in the idea of looking for meaning, which is never where you'll find meaning. You can only find meaning through experiences and then right. later drum them up for meaning. You but know, it's the you easiest can't... place to look for meaning, right? Like, right. It's where everyone goes and it's like, but that's not where it is. And you, right. Yeah. You, you can't write a story and say, I want this to be poignant. You can only like try to come to some emotional reality that is itself poignant. You can't set out to be poignant. Yeah. And and I, I, I find this episode interesting. Again, like not not on my top ten or anything like that, but one that I think is really interesting, and I'm glad they fucking swung for it and yeah. and and made it happen. Uh, shall we move on to the next? Let us, let us. That's competitive us. wine uh, tasting, which might have one of my favorite lines in the whole oh, show. Absolutely. Um. So, season two, episode twenty. Competitive wine tasting directed by Joe Russo, written by Emily Cutler. Uh, Jeff and Pierce uh, take a wine tasting class and Jeff becomes jealous of Pierce when an attractive woman takes notice of him instead of Jeff. Uh, Also, uh, Troy and Britta are taking a class with Professor Garrity uh, and Troy tells a big, big lie in acting class. And also Abed takes a, a class uh, about figuring out who's the boss on who's the boss. Um, <laughs> this for a long time, I called this my least favorite episode of the first three seasons. Really? Yes. Okay. Uh, I hated it and revisiting it twice for this recording. It's not, it's not a fave, but it's much more interesting and has a lot more good parts than I ever gave it credit sure. for before. I still don't like the Jeff and Pierce storyline. I used to think it was grossly out of character. I don't think that anymore. That's absolutely something that Jeff would do. Jeff Winger is completely that petty. There's interesting things to weigh in every plot line. It, of course, gave us one of the all-time great community gifts, uh, which is Donald Glover screaming, My emotions! My emotions! <laughs> That's so good. Which is... Uh, an exquisite bit. I uh, appreciate that they reuse the My Dinner with Andre restaurant set. If you bothered to build it, use it twice. Get your money's worth. Use it again. <laughs> Doesn't bother me. I get the process of making TV. <laughs> I understand. <laughs> oh my god, is this Fiddler, please? Oh, this is Fiddler, please. Yes. <laughs> I about this, that. This is, yes. yes. Again, just uh, wait uh, to uh, the end tags. The <laughs> rankings, darling. Um, both of these end tags are incredible, but let's not get ahead of ourselves. Okay, shall we hash these three plots out? Because they do all prove to be interesting to unpack sure. to varying degrees. Sure, yeah. Um, so you've got Jeff and Pierce in a wine tasting class where... Yeah, a, featuring Chang, because you gotta pay Ken Jong, so yep, he'll show up for him a few lines. That's and fine. where better to put him than here? Yep, sure. Um, sure. Where a an attractive classmate dodges... Not even dodges, just like... A, a World War II anti-air rotator, rotary gun shoots down his advances 
with ruthless efficiency. Uh, so and take then like falls dumb in- haircut and go sniff another dog's, dog's ass. ass. <laughs> it's so good. Um, it's very funny. And so she shoots him down, but goes right into right after Pierce. And we find out that it that she is actually a spy from a rival moist towelette business. <laughs> yeah. Uh, because as we say, uh, it's a hard, dry, large business, and uh, it's a ruthless corporate takeover underway. Um, uh, Jeff is constantly paranoid of her motives, and he is proven right. Uh, even though the ultimate resolution is that Pierce and this woman should go on a date, and because they're both racist, they're both awful, terrible, awful people, miserable people, and I, I, she- I think <laughs> this plot line works for me if she isn't a spy, if. It truly is a woman who is interested in Pierce Hawthorne, which like, okay, we can get over that hurdle and a woman can be interested in Pierce. Right. And we, and Jeff relentlessly pursues this lead because he just can't let it go. And then it turns out, no, this is a person that genuinely likes Pierce Hawthorne. It's this weird. And, and Pierce can still do his monologue where he's like, you weren't trying to prove that she was tr- after me. You were trying to prove that no woman could ever love me. Yeah. And it's, it kind of tries to have it both ways. And it is surprising. Like it is like a turn, but I wish it had dogged down on one idea and stuck to it. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, sure. Cause it does like, Oh, Jeff threw, threw the secret out into the open. And now the whole thing's done and over with. And like, that could be a resolution. And instead, there's almost like a post credit scene that's not post credits. That's him like reuniting them, similar to how he reunited uh, uh, Britta and uh, Gooby. <laughs> like, <laughs> where's Wizard? Uh, yeah. Uh, um, yes. But it, like, it feels it just it just feels yeah. like it's trying to have it both ways. And yeah. I, I, it feels it, it feels super it, extracurricular. It feels super yeah. extracurricular, and like. It could have just left it at one or the other. I agree. Um, her and not being a spy it, means Jeff has to deal with the, the fact that like not everyone's for him to have. Right. That works. And we do get that as well, but we, we also get the other thing. And yeah. it's just, it's a little muddled. I don't need like TV to have a trite lesson for every storyline or whatever. Like, yeah, I don't because even, even, even the slight amount, they do move backwards and like, yeah, she did still just like Pierce because they're the same person. It still feels like, obviously this isn't going to go anywhere because there's nothing to, like, you know what I mean? Like, it, I it, wish we had gone that full route then. Then right. she likes Pierce because they're both miserable, hateful, racist, exactly, boys, exactly. Barons. Because this we, is just pointing out that they're similar, despite the fact that they will obviously never have a relationship because it's already been ruined. Right. Which is like, and so, <laughs> yeah, we just, we kind of do six of one, half dozen of the other, and it never quite, pays off and i get it not every not every tv plot line can be as fucking taut as as you would like it as ironclad as remedial <laughs> chaos theory i get that as taut uh, as jeff winger's abs yeah as taut as his fucking washboard abs and it is sandwiched between fucking my dinner with andre and the fake flashback episode i get it your your fucking resources are allocated to, <laughs> to other places oops we so missed one's one <laughs> yeah exactly it's, it is fine Uh, And I think the B plots are funny and or entertaining enough that this is not like a total wash. This is it's it's not a complete waste. Jeff is also and Jeff Winger bridges on being unlikable in a lot of places. And honestly, I don't even think he's that like he is mean to Pierce. He's also like really mean to Annie for no particular reason. Like really nasty. So I think yeah, it's like this like. it's like his, his his id lashing out, right? Like yeah. he's at a point where he can't figure out how to solve the problem. So he's just mad at everybody who's around him. It's a and classic Annie's, winger plot. We've yeah. seen it before. We will see it again. Yeah. Uh, but it's it's he's just really nasty to Annie. And I don't know. Annie doesn't deserve that. It, the, the study group is oddly. Uh, it's one of those times like chicken fingers where the study group does what the plot needs them to do. So everyone except Jeff is like, oh, of course, this gorgeous model like woman is interested in Pierce. Let's throw a party. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff is the only one who is dubious. 
Um, but I, yeah. I, again, I get it. Sometimes you just need characters to act the way the plot needs them to. Uh, just, yeah. just not a personal fave. <laughs> I, there's a lot of like single one-off lines or like little dialogue bits in this episode that do keep it in the like most probably most frequently quoted by me. Of, of the like ten to fifteen episodes I quote all the time, this one's in there because like the don't take the class on jokes. The professor I dropped it after the lesson on setups. The professor was so old, so old, and then she just like knowingly and sadly nods at the rest of the room as they like, oh, oh god, no that shit, dude. A top five community joke. It's very good. It's very a top good. five. <laughs> bit it's such an excellent bit right like this is not one of my favorite episodes it has two of my all-time favorite community jokes the other one being the fiddler please end tag uh which has me in hysterics every time it's very good let's 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 segue over that then the britta and troy take an acting class uh subplot um excellent to see kevin corrigan return as professor garrity uh we only get this character like three times. It is an absolute joy every single time. This is a beautiful, hilarious character. I love him. Your homework tonight, drink a glass of cognac. <laughs> drink a, a glass of cognac in a bathtub. That's one of the other ones. It's so good. And that, that beautiful like Joe Russo push in as he's delivering a monologue. is like, actors are not about telling truth. It's about having our moment in the spotlight as and that's like a beaut that's a way to use a camera to tell a fucking joke yeah, yeah. it doesn't all have to be like bup, 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 dialogue which i love but you've used the frame to tell a joke i love it yeah it's very edgar right right He's, i said right 100 percent. Right. but using um, the camera to tell jokes instead of your actors only is right. very very yeah. very good yeah and when you can use good. both in 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 uh what am i trying to say like together, when you can use both together, where your actors are being funny and your camera's being funny, fuck man, it's great. Yeah, I would love absolutely. to see the Russos do more comedic shit. They're they're in their action push right now, and I get I it. like their action push. Don't get me wrong, but I wish any of the Avengers movies they worked on had a tenth had of the visual creativity that their episodes of Community do. Yeah. Does that make sense? Like, yeah, like if they've been able to direct Ant Man, yes. <laughs> and I, I, I think both of those two Ant Man movies are uh, quite good. They're yeah. really enjoyable. Yeah. Um, well, the first but, one's written by Edgar Wright, so how could it be bad? But right. Well, it's, it's kind of, kind of. It's written enough by him. His name's in the credits still. Wright and Cornish <laughs> did a draft, and then it was rewritten by Paul Rudd and Adam McKay. So, like, sure, yeah, okay, that movie was probably going to be pretty funny, right? <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> not a bad movie. movie. Was yeah. probably going to be pretty fucking funny. Those are four very good comedy writers, but yeah. and I like all four of their Marvel. Well, I don't really like Infinity War, but it's fine. It's like a completely serviceable like yeah. piece of work, and they do really good work with Thanos, which is what that movie needs to accomplish. They do tremendous um, work with Thanos, which I realize is maybe because they did really good work with Chevy Chase initially. Mm, and making a bad guy that they had understand like hateful bad motivation. Man. <laughs> yeah. This is the man. first time. This is the first time I've made that connection. And I'm that Thanos is Chevy Chase. I'm both uncomfortable and so proud. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh the 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 uh bald, angry man who believes himself to be a genius who can solve everything. Yeah, 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 yeah wish that their movies were more visually creative like any of the 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 fucking chutzpah or innovation that they have shown on this show over and over and over again yeah. and i wish they would put that in a scene with thor you know what i mean yeah, sure. those movies are so like uniformly shot uh they're they're not color graded in an interesting way and i know they probably don't have control over that but still yeah. it's I, I I just I want a little bit more visual creativity. I hope whatever they get to do now that they're out of the Marvel stable. Oh, they're is, not. Is, they'll be back. <laughs> you think they'll be back? Yeah, I do. I do. Okay. Yeah. Well, they're not announced for anything. Sure, sure. Currently. They so also, I hope they also they get the opportunity to direct four of the, arguably the most drab Marvel movies. <laughs> like. They're True. directing Winter Soldier, Civil War, Infinity War, and Endgame while we're getting Guardians 2, Ant-Man 2, Black Panther, yeah. and Thor Ragnarok, which, like, right. 
Those are the colorful ones, and they just Visual got unlucky. extravaganzas. Yeah, you they just got have... they just got the super spy World War Two vet uh, storylines, and like Civil War looks good, though. or not Civil War? Uh, Winter, Soldier. Uh, Winter Soldier looks good. Winter Soldier is pretty. Winter Soldier look pretty. that they sticked. Yeah, and and I think that really works for that yeah. movie. Um, also, that movie is tremendous I... because it's a spy movie, not a Marvel movie. Like. And I say that with, like, obviously, I know it's a fucking Marvel I mean, it movie. ends with, like, uh, them jumping across, like, three <laughs> helicarriers. But I get what you're yeah, saying. Yeah, but, like, most yeah, of it's, that it's movie, they're most in, of that like, movie's underground very bunkers. Yes. They're, they're wearing baseball caps in malls. Like, that's that's all that's all very interesting. Yeah, it's, it's a, hey, it's a board what? movie. Winter Soldier? Good flick. Yeah, um, it's a board movie. Uh, but but, but anyway, I, I love that bit of visual storytelling. I used to think this Troy plot was, like, offensive. I'm like, you can't make jokes about that. Um, like uh, people being molested as children. Now I'm a little bit more like, okay, this is just like Troy being shitty. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Even yeah. though he's saying like my uncle, my, my uncle, uncle put touched his my finger plop, plop. in my plop, plop, which is one of more upsetting things. <laughs> but it is unfortunately Donald Glover is very funny. It's 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 fine. Uh, it's it's brief. Um, Britta is understandably upset. Britta takes it maybe a little too far, but that is the Britta Perry way. Yeah, is she, like, Britta's attracted to pain. It helps her pretend right. to be uh, to be healthy. <laughs> to be healthy. Um, Yikes! Yeah. So that's a that's a it's a nice little uh, yeah. uh, plot with a lot of good funny jokes in it, you know. And I and I'm for <laughs> any return of Professor Garrity. Yeah, and um, the oh no, what's the big dorky kid? Garrett. Garrett. Okay, you said Garrity, and my brain was like, "Oh no, I'm wrong." It's um, both. Yeah, Garrett sharing his story about the swing set, and then Garrity's like, "Early childhood is a bed for traumatizing memories," and he's like, "It was this morning." <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love Garrett. They're so mean to him. They're uh, so mean to that guy. But he's a he's a trooper. He's a hell of a guy. Um, and then. Uh, we have this very brief subplot with the great Stephen Tobolowski, uh, where great, Abed takes great guest appearance. Love that so great much. guest appearance. The ultimate. Oh, that guy, Stephen Tobolowski, <laughs> uh, who is fantastic. I believe that this episode was filmed like shortly after a surgery of his. Um, and he was like very grateful that they like shot it in a way that wouldn't be too taxing to him because he really just has to like just kind of sit a couple times stand, and yeah. sit a couple times and get to be Tobolowski. The class dismissed bit cracks me up. Um, I the Mister when he pulls the drawer, I am not a fan. I am not a groupie. <laughs> when he pulls the drawer guy. open after after Abed's like, <laughs> there's two roads <laughs> to travel down, and there's a gun, and you're like, oh god, and then he pulls it out further to reveal another book he wrote. Very good. Very well, good. the original draft of this script um, had Abed leave, and he's walking across the quad, and then he hears a gunshot. Bullshit. Are I'm you not fucking me? with you, dog. <laughs> oh my I'm god. I'm not fucking. Which is, would have so been dark. so That's upsetting. so dark. It would have been so <laughs> upsetting. <laughs> Jesus. I I like I don't know fucking anything about who's the boss, but this plotline is very fun. It's very fun to watch these two pick apart a silly, cheesy old sitcom in an academic way that you would pick apart like the the fucking works of Werner Herzog. Like it's very yeah, funny. It's good. It's and, very good. Uh, yeah, the, the the same treatise you would give to fucking Twin Peaks season three, they are giving to who's the boss, <laughs> um, and that Abed is a magical wizard who can beat anyone at their own game. And he he defeats Professor Sheffield. It's very good. It's, it's very good. good. It's charming. It's a great Abed plot, and I love any time we get Stephen Tobolowski. Am I the only guy that focuses in on that middle aged man with long flowing brown hair nodding at Abed when he finishes his story? Oh, some like extra in the some classroom, extra dude that like every yeah, single. Yeah, I don't time know who I you're talking this... about. So you are the only guy. Fuck. There's a guy at the end when Abed's wrapping up his, like, so obviously Angela is. By any definition of the word boss. uh, And then turns to the class. Angela Bauer. And then he, there's this guy sitting in the front nodding that looks like they're focused on him to me. Hmm. But they're obviously not. Um, Featured extra. Yeah. Yeah. I'll find a screenshot of homie just so I can show you so that I can at at least expose somebody else to this weird, like, 
obsession I have for this. Dude. I'm glad we can add this dude to the list with post ironic disco stew and Lauren Stamil as far as like people you've DM'd me pictures of. <laughs> <laughs> it's Slater, Aaron Tony, and this dude. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, uh, exquisite. It happens, man. Sometimes, sometimes yeah. people stick in your what? brain. Yeah, that's um, really all I have to say. We burned a lot of time on uh, our two space epics at the beginning of this episode. Yeah. Do you want to get to the ranking section? We can. I do want to mention, I mentioned that this oh, episode the, has my favorite, um, probably my favorite line in it, because it has the most real world application for me, just because oh. of where I shop. Um, this, I realize I'm saying this and it sounds really bad. Let me start this over. Real world application is not what it's going to sound like. I mean, I shop in places that have wine in them, and I think of this joke a lot. So, <laughs> just all of that qualification being said, the it's got to be better than wine tasting with Pierce. He refused to drink Pinot Noir because he thought it was French for black penis is <laughs> one of the funniest things in the world to me. Um it's very good. <laughs> and every time I walk past any wine racks, that's the first thing that pops into my head. Pinot Noir, mid-sized car, Pinot Go. Uh, I don't know if you saw <laughs> Kimmy Schmidt, but yes, an excellent yes. song about oh, Okay, great. Yes, that show was very good. Well, excellent. I didn't finish the show, so I don't know how the last season or season and a half was. But I, uh, I have of- seen the last uh, season. I think it's good. It's not as good as like early uh, Kimmy Schmidt, but it's good. Um, and I have, not played movie. The, yeah, I have not played the interactive movie. I haven't done any of Netflix's fucking choose your own adventure games. Uh, no, you didn't, play, you didn't play Boondersnatch? Bandersnatch. <laughs> Benedict Bandersnatch. Uh, no, I haven't, um, I haven't, uh, partaken of the Bandersnatch. <laughs> Don't, let's not I describe haven't, it like uh, that. sampled the Bandersnatch. I have not gotten the snack. I haven't had a Bandersnack, if you will. When it first came out, I looked at my girlfriend and I was like, do you want to do this? And she's like, no. And then it hasn't come up since. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. That's uh, sometimes. Sometimes stories are riveting. Other times they're (laughs) a sentence. (laughs) Absolutely. Uh, So the end, uh, the ranking, as we always do, uh, I hope this episode was uh, good for everyone. I think it was probably (laughs) entertaining enough. Let's see the end tags ranking. First, we have. Troy and Abed eating dinner at the fancy restaurant and they dine and dash. <laughs> what market are you shopping at? What market are you shopping at? I, I love, am going to run. Me too. I, On three. Yeah, exactly. One, Danny two, Hootie's three. delivery, he's folding the napkin and he says, I'm going to run. <laughs> it's, it's very funny. And then they're like alternate count of one, two, three. And then they just fucking bolt. Yeah. It's up good. there. It's up there mm, for me. This is a good one. A stealthily good one. It's up there. Mm. Um, your cursor is hovering around the top 10. I, I, I am in I'm agreement. I'm in the top 20 zone. Yes. 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 Um, okay. So number 10 is Pierce Poop Rap. Is this as good? I don't think so. It's good. Is it Pierce Poop Rap good? Mm. Could have that argument. Hmm. But I do. Mm, is it better than? I Kick think it's Hunter? funnier than Troy and Abed in stop motion. I think it is as well. Oh, so is it number eleven? I think it is. Uh, oh no, it didn't auto update the numbers. This is a this is a living hell. Okay, hang on. See I am if going I do it to if... just add it into my Word document, and uh, <laughs> because it auto updates the numbers, uh, but just know that's where it is. <laughs> sure. Sure. <laughs> for your own for your own purposes. Uh Troy and I'm dying. I am not living through I'm not renumbering everything. Oh my god, why the oh, fuck on no. this Google Doc. No, 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 um, no, no. <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, okay, and then next is Fiddler Please. <laughs> All right, Caleb. Now you listen and you hear me out here. Okay. This is the best one. Yep, definitely. <laughs> best one they'll ever do it's the fucking best one it's, it's the fucking the- best one and no doubt no doubt there's not like a debate it's 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 easily one of the absolute best ones without yeah, a doubt okay great without a doubt without a doubt okay great i'm glad we're both in agreement there i hope <laughs> jace doesn't come back and be very mad about it. 
It's hard to be Jewish. It's hard to be Jewish. It's hard to be Jewish in Russia, yo. Like it doesn't <laughs> bagels and locks. Diamond shops. It's so good. Gradles. Yeah, um, yep. Hit all him with an Old Testament beat. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's all good. Well, I'm glad oh, we're both baby. in uh, in agreements oh, here. Excellent. It's so good. So it's so good. now to the episode. Now to the worst part. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> Critical film studies. Mm, yes. I I respect everything that they're doing, right? And I really admire that this episode exists. Do I like it more than Troy's politically conservative fight raps? I do not. That's a good measuring stick. Which episode is I, that? That's number 15, Football 15? Feminism and You. Yes, yes, thank you. But like, okay, now we're in like early 21st century romanticism, Asian population. We can have a conversation. It is better than Abed as Jesus, in my opinion. Messianic yeah. myth. Yeah. Our current 18. Mm-hmm. I don't like it as much as early 21st century romanticism. I really love that episode. And Asian population studies is when they're picking a new group member, right? Yes. Which is also very good. It is. <laughs> Rich kettle corn. Uh, now imagine your don't teeth ruin are this for me. And that parsley <laughs> is a half Chinese baby. Don't ruin this for me. I'll shatter your world. What I'll you shatter say? your world. Hmm. Mm, so, it's so right after that, right? Like, yeah, that's right the after lo- that. That's I the think. logical step. Because I, I think, think so. that putting it right next to messianic myths and ancient peoples is good. At least as far as we can control right now. It may be separated later, but like. Right. I think them being next to each other makes sense because they're both episodes in which Abed makes a notable development with a re- in their relationship with one of the members of the group. Yes. And um, I think they are imperfect episodes, but I so admire everything it is that they're trying to do. Yeah, sure. Exactly. Excellent. Yep. And now competitive wine tasting. Uh, I'm looking a little lower here. I think it's better than the pilot. Hmm. You think it's better than I the don't. STD fair? I don't. I just changed my mind because I yeah. saw the other ones around that where we put the pilot. Um. Hmm. So I'm looking looking down here. It's oh boy. Do you, okay. So let's let's look at the season one finale. Our current number thirty six. Pascal's triangle revisited. That episode's such I, a fucking mess. That's a it's a mess. So is this one, I think. But <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's a more constructed mess, if that makes any I, sense. The parts of this episode, competitive wine tasting that I like, I like more than the parts of Pascal's triangle that I like. That's a pretty unimpeachable sentence you just said right there. But but do I like it as much as Britta's trial at the pool in advanced criminal law? We can talk. We can have a conversation. No. I don't like it as much as the STD fair at 33. I don't. So it's not going higher than that for me. Critical film studies is, or critic, or I'm sorry, communication studies is uh, Jeff and Abed drunk dialing Britta. And I like that episode yeah, more. Yeah, that episode's pretty, pretty. So I think Advanced Criminal Law, number 35, this one is either right above or right below. My feeling is right below. Mm, I just feel like I'm advanced just, criminal law is good, but it doesn't really, does it move any goalposts? Not goalposts. That's not what I'm trying to say. Does it move yeah. anything forward? Or is it just kind of like one of those episodes? that's like, you're still getting to know these people. Yeah, it definitely is that that one does have the judges table of John Oliver, Jim Rash and Ken John, which is pretty, pretty solid and pretty naked. Good. What and are naked the, Leonard what are in the, the pool behind them? Naked Leonard in the pool. What are the B plots in that episode? Abed pretending to be an alien, which I could go either way on. It's it's hmm. OK. In your personal taste, does what you like about competitive wine tasting is it better than the parts of advanced criminal law that you like? No, no. Okay. I think then, 34, right. 35. Uh, yeah. The new 35 in between that and Pascal is a good S one E 20, uh, competitive wine. How are we through 20 episodes of the second season of this already? You know, uh, quarantine has been going on for a long time. <laughs> yeah, 
Uh, we almost always do two at a time. So we are cruising and that is the speed I would rather take. I would rather take yeah. this cruising if we slow speed. This, if we slow this down, there's the, there's the chance of getting distracted and or unest- uninterested for a second. Yeah. If yeah. we were going one at a time, we would be on Anthropology 101, the season two premiere. Oh, that's so sad. Okay, yeah, no, this is perfect. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we're, I think we're doing this the right I, way. To make it clear, I wasn't complaining. More just like, holy shit, we're still in quarantining. That was more what yeah. I was doing. No, so. absolutely. <laughs> I, I didn't, I didn't think, I didn't Good. take it personally. Okay. okay. Um, yeah. Uh, so and now we move on to a little section called Palagagas. Um, I all, all my plugs. Uh, all of my plugs are not my own shit, but it's shit that I have enjoyed I- in the intervening week that I think our listeners might also enjoy. All right. Um, so one of them is uh, the most recent episode of my number one favorite podcast, Blank Check with Griffin and David. Um, at the time of this recording, is their most recent episode, but. Uh, they did. Uh, it's a three-hour episode, but it also has Jason Manzukis and Paul Shear uh, as guests on the episode, and it starts as a conversation of uh, Robert Zemeckis's movie Used Cars, uh, but turns into a fascinating and really, really intriguing exploration of this the state of contemporary movie comedy and where comedy sits in like the the current standings of of hollywood and i would really really recommend i think anyone that listens to this fucking show would be interested in listening to that episode as well uh so i will absolutely recommend that uh and i have also really been enjoying uh the new podcast called cerebro uh, every episode, they take a look at a different X-Men character. Uh, so far, they've done Psylocke, Nightcrawler, and my number one favorite, Emma Frost. And I think all of the episodes are good and interesting. And if you uh, are interested in X-Men nonsense, then I think you will enjoy that one as well. Uh, and I'm sure I had something else, but I've completely forgotten it. This has been a very long record. And Caleb, <laughs> I will turn it over to you. Oh, man. Honestly, I don't have much that uh, is new or happening right now. We've got a lot of stuff going on at home where we're updating our or not updating, but finishing a portion of the basement and getting a bunch of stuff done. So Yeehaw. that being said, my involvement and or interaction with the outside world and those things is relatively limited. I will say that I just started watching The Boys season two. Um, I don't know if anybody that listens to this likes that show. It is something. Um, I'm watching it almost purely on like <laughs> the curious the curiosity principle where I'm like, man, what what's what's this gonna try and do? You know what I mean? Up to <laughs> yeah, what are you what are you going with this? I watched the whole first season in a single day. I had a day off when I was working 45, 50 hours a week um, at one job um, and like twenty at another. Uh, I had a day off from both, and I was like, I'm just gonna watch all of this. Um, and it was it's interesting. I like uh, the idea that the, that someone made a show based off of a graphic novel series that's based on the idea of if superheroes were real, they'd mostly be assholes. Is kind of solid. <laughs> um, I'm kind of on board for that idea. Um, but anyway, I know that show's got some some tumultuous stuff coming because I've heard people talking about it. So we'll see, and I'll update as that's appropriate. But other than that, honestly, like I don't have. Much to promote. You know I like talking about video games, so if you want to hear about new video games, check me out on uh, Twitter at LoveWeb or my blog at uh, NerdyBits, Nerdy underscore Bits or NerdyBits.com. Um, but yeah, my plugs are easy because they're small. And there ain't nothing wrong with that, dog. <laughs> um, we will be back uh, next week yes. with uh, a pair of bangers, including the fake flashback episode. Which, uh, spoilers for our ranking discussion, that one gonna be up there. Yeah, it's a, it's a that's, on the top of the shop. That's gonna be a big one, y'all. It's really uh, and, and we are barreling towards the end, season two. Um, Which is wild So, Yeah, Still. absolutely wild. Uh, oh, if you like the Muppets, scroll back in this feed. I just released uh, like a two and a half hour bonus episode about the Muppet movie. Uh, so maybe y'all will enjoy that shit as well. But until... <laughs> Next time, we are two of the Greendale Three. Pop, pop, poppity, poppity. It's hard to be Jewish. It's hard to be Jewish. It's hard to be Jewish in Russia. Yo. <laughs>
Bagels and Lux, Diamond Chops, it's hard to be Jewish in Russia. Yo, hit me with the Old Testament. surprise but now i see that that's just me it's not like i even tried so if you ask me how i'm doing here is my reply i'm g- 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 getting by i'm getting by oh yeah i'm letting my bike flag fly not gonna hide it not gonna lie i'm a fire kind of guy there's no reason to be shy the day I die. Now some may say, oh, you're just gay. Why don't you just go gay all the way? But that's not it, cause bi's legit. Whether you're a he or a she, we might be a perfect fit. And one more thing, I tell you what, being bi does not imply that you're a player or a slut. You're right like sex. Please make him stop. But I'm no hoe, I take things slow Until I feel at ease So if you ask me how I'm doing I'm feeling peppy, sprightly, spry I'm g-g-g-g-getting by I'm getting by And it's something I'd like to demystify It's not a phase, I'm not confused Not indecisive, I don't have the kind of Cause I'm definitely by Big Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, Mondays at 8, 7 central on The CW.